Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I don't understand why Democrats here have a different opinion than Americans across the country, Republicans and Democrats. It takes people from poverty and helps them get a job. It supports Medicare and Social Security because more people are paying in. We have an issue with work requirements now? Is that what I'm hearing? Democrats believe that work requirements don't work. And it's a take. But you understand how far we are from a Democratic Party that used to be, well, Democrats. This is a fundamentally different party. That's what they say about Republicans, though, right? It's a fundamentally different party. Well, populism instead of conservatism is is different. I'll agree with that. But why is it that that's the story and never a discussion of how this party of Democrats have gone from a disagreement and believing in just government can do more to a total reliance on government and proactively silencing people and calling people you disagree with racist thugs, Nazis, and murderers? No discussion of the ladies of The View on that. No discussion on MSNBC about that. If we're going to talk about changes... Let's talk about wholesale changes that have gone on amongst the political parties. All of them. And if we're going to talk about things, can we speak about things honestly? Should we really listen to Donnie Deutsch talking to Joe Scarborough on MSNBC? I I don't know how the conservative brand is not just absolutely tarnished for decades to come. What is the conservative brand right now? Is it, if, you, if you said, what do they stand well, exactly. for? Basically, it's hate, Nothing. it's grievance, it's anger, it's breaking of laws. It is, you know, if you the Republicans should have a loop, and the loop should play to them. Who is it that brought conservative movement to, and really made it relevant to Americans? Ronald Reagan, and they are anti-Ronald Reagan. Everything that Reagan stood for. Conservatives aren't. Populists could be. But if you think that the conservative movement stands for nothing except anger, hatred, and complete chaos, explain Detroit, Philadelphia, Minneapolis, Chicago, San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles. Explain the college professor who put a knife to a reporter's throat. I'm sorry, a machete. Explain the college professor who charges students $99, which is the only way you're going to pass the class, so she can give them more money to pro-abortion supporters. Explain Ibram X. Kendi and Robin D'Angelo. Explain Joe Biden castigating half the country. If you want to make this argument, we can make this argument in toto. The problem is the people at MSNBC claiming an intellectual superiority never make the argument at all. They make statements. I'll give you a statement. 42% of Americans are worried about retirement. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. Find everything at TonyCats.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. 43% of non-retired Americans expect a financially comfortable retirement. 
42% are very worried. And I assume the 43% are about 26 years old. And they don't understand how long living is going to be. I love the fact that we can live longer. I love the fact that we have the technology. No one ever discusses what living longer actually means. What it actually takes. No one discusses what living longer entails. And a recognition that it ain't easy. That's a hard thing to to embrace, right? It's a hard subject. Well, it's even harder when you can only plan for so long and that money runs out. And the inflation increased by Joe Biden and increased by this Democratic Party takes away the savings you worked so hard for that no longer can keep up now because you're still alive. I'm not advocating that you shouldn't still be alive. I'm advocating that you made a plan and this economy is harming that plan greatly. Greatly. And we see the the numbers out there. Dr. Matt Will is going to join us in a little bit, economist from the University of Indianapolis. Uh, You know, we see the data and it shows inflation's not going anywhere. Prices are up 0.4% from March to April. It was only 0.1% the month before. We've got an interesting trend going, and it's not in the right direction. Which brings us to those uh, presidents of the, of the Federal Reserve in Minneapolis and Atlanta, other places, who said, look, we know what Jerome Powell said. Jerome Powell said we don't see uh, any uh, upticks likely in the future. Likely. Yeah, well, that's all going to change. That's all going to change. I have been trying to break down what this election is going to to be about. And what I I first said after seeing the announcement video from Joe Biden is that this is going to be nasty on his part. It is going to be nasty. And I don't think I'm off base there. I think it is going to be a very nasty election when you see how they talk about DeSantis and Trump and, and others, and they, well, they've always said this about Trump, but anybody gets in the race. What was it? It was the DNC chairman, uh, Jamie Harrison. I think it's Jamie, it's Jamie Harrison, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jamie Harrison. Okay. For a second, I'm like, wait, do I have his name right? Um, all the Republican candidates are bad. All of them are extreme. Good Lord. I guess you're a big fan of Asa Hutchinson. We're talking about the former governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson. Asa Hutchinson is right now polling at 0.8%. And Brett Baer was like, dude. You're going to make that stage? Uh, the Real Clear Politics average of polls has you at 0.8%. Uh, in Iowa, you're at 1%. You don't, you don't show up in the New Hampshire polling as of yet. I, you've talked about it as an uphill battle, but um, these are small numbers. How do you paint a picture to somebody who says, I like what you're talking about, but you're not even in the ballpark? Well, you didn't mention the uh, South Carolina poll in which uh, we moved up to 3% there. Those are small numbers, and we're going to be in the competition. We expect to move up, and, and that's the goal. That's why you work real hard at this. Yeah. Do you think that the pundits and 
purveyors of wisdom who look at politics and say the more candidates that are in there, the better it is for the former president, uh, that that other non-Trump vote is split. Actually, I think at this point in the campaign, multiple voices is a good thing. Uh, Well, what else are you going to say, sir? You're one of the multiple voices. But Asa Hutchinson is extreme. This is where we are now. What else? I'm telling you, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be an ugly, ugly election. That's how they want it to be. Every everybody who disagrees with them is a racist. Everyone's a Nazi. Everyone's a this phobe and a that phobe, and your mom's a phobe, and all the phobes. Well, how about we don't pay attention to their crazy, and we focus on what it is we know? What is it that we're seeing? And what we're seeing is maybe DeSantis's announcement didn't go as badly as people thought. That story is coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Negotiations between the House Republican leaders and the White House are still happening at this hour. They still need to get a deal. They still need to sell it to the broader House and Senate conferences and caucuses on each side of the aisle and get that through the parliamentary process, which can take many days, and get that all done potentially as soon as June 1st to avoid that debt default. But getting it done by then seems very unlikely at this point. This comes all as you're hearing mounting frustration from a number of members, particularly Democrats, who have been shut out of these negotiations on Capitol Hill and are concerned that the White House is giving up too much to the House GOP. I'm very frustrated. You know, I, I called on the president to invoke the 14th Amendment and mint a coin and do not negotiate with hostage takers. I mean, we don't negotiate with terrorists globally. Why are we going to, to- negotiate with the economic terrorists here that are the Republican Party? I think- That's Representative Jamal Bowman. And that's just an example of what you're going to have for 2024. Disagree with me, you're a terrorist. Disagree with me, you're a racist. Disagree with me, you're this, that, or the other. And the political left has to be asked, is this what you want to be associated with? People who are in the middle have to be asked, is this what you want to be associated with? And we have to ask ourselves what exactly is happening is if this is all they have. Jamal Bowman, Representative Bowman's a jerk. Economic terrorists, the Republicans should tell him to kiss off very publicly, right to his face. We already passed the legislation. It passed the House. You are in the minority party. You lost, loser. That's what they should say. Chuck Schumer should force a vote or have a vote in the Senate, but he won't because he's a coward. And let Joe Biden veto the legislation if he chooses. Or vote it down in the House. Let Democrats vote down increasing the debt limit in in, in the Senate. Sorry, I said the House, not the Senate. It passed the House, a debt limit increase. Let Chuck Schumer lead a losing effort in the Senate to pass an increase in the debt limit. Or pass it and let the president veto it. Oh, but you can't do that because politically it would be bad. You know it's politically good? Calling people you disagree with terrorists. What a guy. You're okay with Jamal Bowman. There's something seriously wrong with you. That much is for sure. You're okay with this? Goodness gracious. 
when Ron DeSantis announced his run for president, he went to Twitter. And he did the announcement on Twitter, and it didn't go... It didn't go great. It didn't go great. The announcement on Twitter and the, the, the technical issues, it took 20 minutes or more, and oh, well, there's so many people, it's melting the servers, dude, you gotta be able to handle the stuff. But it got on track, and there was Ron DeSantis answering policy questions, going into detail on policy questions. And 24 hours later, after that, after the video, after the Twitter, uh, after going on Fox, he brought in $8.2 million in 24 hours. $8.2 million. So we understand each other. Anybody who thinks no one wants DeSantis doesn't know anything. There is a real, real desire for somebody who isn't named Trump. It doesn't mean that Trump isn't popular. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that this idea that Trump has it all wrapped up is amongst the more ridiculous ideas that are out there. There is a desire for somebody not named Trump. There is a real appetite for Ron DeSantis. $8.2 million. I think that's a record haul in 24 hours. And Ron DeSantis, whether it be the economic issues or the social issues, one thing is very clear. This is him speaking after being the nominee. He isn't worried about having the conversation. It is wrong for a teacher to tell a second grader that they may have been born in the wrong body or that their gender is a choice. Gender ideology has no place in our education system. And we've made sure that it doesn't have a place in Florida. And we have put the kibosh on the use of pronouns. You cannot force a kid to choose pronouns in the state of Florida. Your governor doesn't talk like that. I don't even know where your governor is. I'm just willing to bet. I mean, that's it. This is after announcing, speaking clearly to social issues that connect with whom? Soccer moms. Oh, you need more proof. Okay. We also embrace opportunities for girls and women athletes to compete in athletics. Am I the only one having a problem with that audio? I'm sorry. It's DeSantis supporting women in sports. Saying we're not going to be complicit in a fraud. Try it one more time. It is wrong to have somebody swim on the men's team for three years 
then switch to the women's team, and they say you win the national women's championship? That is- I don't know. Sorry about that. I got to find a better version. But he's hitting the subjects head on. He's hitting them directly, unabashedly, unashamed. So here's Jamal Bowman talking about the debt limit, Representative Bowman just saying that the other side are a bunch of terrorists. And here's Ron DeSantis speaking directly to people who are impacted by the policies that Jamal Bowman's party are totally fine with. Which one moves you more? My point to you is that in this election that is going to be outrageously ugly, because just look at where the terminology is already. And oh, wait till you hear Ben Collins. NBC's Ben Collins. Oh, those Republicans, they're boycotting this and boycotting that. They they don't live in the real world. Whoo. Wait till you hear it. Wait till you hear it, and I've got I've got the response. I have got the response. I'll, I'll get to that. Man, the, the things that move voters, the things that move the people. Is it Jamal Bowman, which is therefore Joe Biden? Or is it conversations like this? But we have a responsibility to protect our youth from ideology run amok, including ideology in the medical profession. And so to that end, in the state of Florida, uh, we have banned gender surgeries for minors in the state of Florida. That is mutilation, and it is wrong. And if you do it, you're losing your medical license and you're going to jail. Yeah. Sounds to me like he's connecting. Now, uh, allow me, let me, let me give it a caveat. He was in Florida when he had that conversation. He was at the Rose and Shingle Creek. I've actually been there before for an event. Um, not that that matters, just figured I'd share. Will he get the same response to these subjects in Iowa, in New Hampshire, in South Carolina? Let's find out. Let's find out. He is speaking to a homeschool convention. Maybe that'll be different than speaking to a large cross-section of Americans. But if you are a soccer mom, suburban mom, suburban women making a huge difference, giving it to Biden and not Trump, in a lot of states where there were no election issues, other places, different. Those people make a difference. That voting block makes a difference. Who's talking to them? Who's related to them? Who's connected to them? Who is telling them that your daughter should be allowed to compete freely versus your daughter should sit in the back of the bus and take whatever a man does to them? Maybe that's why DeSantis hauled in $8.2 million after a disastrous, feel the air quotes, disastrous launch of his campaign. They told you it was disastrous. They told you it was all over. Oh, it was so funny. These talking heads don't know a good holy damn thing. The campaign will be the campaign. Will it work for him? Will he be the nominee? I have no idea. Uh, That's why we run the race. 
The inflation numbers don't look good. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, has the latest. This is Tony Katz Today. Find everything. TonyKatz.com. If I listen to the experts or take a look at reports, I'll find that inflation only went up 0.4% in April, 4.7% from a year ago. That, according to the latest information coming out from the Fed, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. And you took a look at this report. You know, you, you you saw the markets immediately jump up. You take a look at it with a different eye. You're not engaged in the reactionary or the emotional. You're asking what it's saying. Is this saying that inflation is still high with no chances of coming down? Or is this the first step to, hey, we might see some good times ahead even in 2023? Well, Tony, first of all, the markets went up because they see a debt deal happening. It has nothing to do with the inflation report. And I got to tell you, I'm going to be a little emotional because I'm very upset because 4.8, year over year. So we're all inconsistent. We're all consistent here. It's been going up for the last three months. It's not been trending down. It's been going up for the last three months, Tony. Last month was 0.1. This is a bad report, and it shocks me because we're in the middle of a, a debt negotiation. And in this debt negotiation, the problem is spending, 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 and the progressives don't want to stop the spending, and they're going to make us look like a third-world country if they don't stop this silliness. Let's take a moment to go through a couple of those things. First, going up month by month. You're saying that year-over-year inflation has increased over the last three months? Yes. Well, no, the, you're knocking out the large numbers from a year ago, Tony. You're, if you look at just last month and the previous month, those two months were lower than this month. This month's inflation is higher than the last two months. And that's you, that is that a, a pos, the possibility of a trend upward. The, so the question is, is it a trend upward? Is there an indicator out there that says, hey, everything that the Fed has done, raising interest rates and raising interest rates is not going to do any good because the spending is still too great. This debt deal might actually bring more spending. And this is the start of a creep up that's going to continue for a foreseeable future. Tony, can you just replay what you just said? That is 100% correct. The 100% correct is we're about to see a trend up, or the 100% correct is this debt deal is going to lead to more spending? I think, well, I don't know if the debt deal is going to lead to more spending, Tony, but what you said that the spending is the problem, and the fiscal pol- the monetary policy has been doing its job. But the fiscal policy is not stopping. I, I, when I sent you a message on this a few moments ago, my comment was, was very explicit. The problem here is a bigger problem we have to look at. Don't look at the numbers in the report. Look at the fact that we have progressives who are spending money. Tony, we're turning ourselves into a third world country. These progressives are spending money like they're, it's out of control to buy votes. They're trying to buy votes, Tony, and people are going to be happy. Ignorant voters will say, sure, thank you for spending all the money, when in fact they're causing inflation, which decreases their standard of living, increases the cost of living, and then they blame it on evil businesses. This is a, they know what they're doing, Tony. They know what they're doing with the spending of money, 
And with this debt deal, they just don't care. They care about politics, not about helping common citizens. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. One of the things that this shows, as I'm reading the reporting there from uh, CNBC, uh, you have an increase in food. Food prices rose 6.9% from a year ago, while energy fell 6.3%. I, I'm not quite sure how one goes up and one goes down to to these numbers. Is there an understanding of this, or is that less important than the overall of inflation is on the way up and everybody's going to suffer? No, Tony. Actually, that's very easy to explain. The reason energy prices are down is because we're heading into a recession. And we've said many times on the show that slow economic growth causes a decrease in energy prices because you have less demand. But the increase in food costs is exactly what happens when you have government spending causing inflation. And so, no, those things can happen definitely at the same time. And what hits someone in the pocket but put more than the increasing cost of food, the stuff you must have every day? Tony, I can't believe that the president has a 1% approval rating at this point. I am shocked. Uh, you know, we heard from a couple different people in the Fed, the, the, the president of the Minneapolis Fed, the president of the Fed down in Atlanta. And what you heard was, you know, everything Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, said about hinting that we're done raising interest rates. Don't believe that. It's very possible that we're going to see more interest rate increases, even if we don't see it in the month of June. People should be prepared for these kinds of things. They they were not, it wasn't necessarily a doom and gloom statement from them, from Kashkari out of uh, Minneapolis and others, but rather it was this, hey, uh, we're not done here. This doesn't seem to affect the markets at all. This, this again, this indicator that the markets don't represent Midwest Main Street. Wall Street and Midwest Main Street are very, very different things. You're a believer, are other economists believers, that based on reports like this, this trending, based on what we see in spending, that these uh, Fed presidents are correct and we will see yet again more hikes going into the fall? Highly possible, but let me let me put into English what they're saying, Tony. Remember that you and I talked about the, the boxing match between Jerome Powell and Biden. And Jerome Powell is saying, okay, we're going to stop for a moment, people. We're going to pause for a month. Please get your spending in order. Stop spending. If you keep spending, we're going to have to increase rates again. If you can get it under control, then we won't. That's what they said, Tony. They're taking a pause and giving you an opportunity, Biden, to stop spending. He's not taking that opportunity, and nothing shows that he's taking that opportunity. And even in this debt limit conversation, it's about wanting to spend more. And when Republicans are saying we should spend at 2022 levels, the Democrats have decided, well, you, you're saying you want to have cuts, cuts to veterans benefits, cuts to this, cuts to that. Not wanting to spend money is equivalent to a cut for the left in economics. Does that have any kind of rational thinking to it? None, Tony. It has nothing to do with economics. It has to do every, everything to do with politics. Because it's not even keeping spending. It's keeping growth down. We're not even talking about maintaining levels. There's still built-in growth in those numbers, automatic growth increases such as Social Security. So it's a lie to say that there's cuts, and it's also a lie to say that it's a total freeze. That is not correct. There are built-in um, mandates as to increases for certain categories of spending. So is... Uh 
we were discussing and you were discussing uh, earlier that what we're seeing is a, a, a maybe a jump in in the markets has nothing to do with this report uh, on inflation, but rather the possibility of of a of a debt limit deal or seeing movement there and and the the markets, Wall Street being as you often described, you know, junkies. Um, this is just a quick hit and it gives them uh, some excitement. What debt limit deal? would make Wall Street most happy and what debt limit deal would send Wall Street in, in the other direction? A cut in spending and no increase in taxes. Oh, best of luck there. Best of well, luck Tom, there, Boo Bear. Yeah, but the deal is, let me, let me explain why the market went up. It's not hard to understand. The market went down because they saw a decrease in the debt rating of the United States by uh, Fitch the other day. So they saw this this decrease in the debt rating, and therefore the market tanked as a result of that. This is simply a rebound. It's kind of like, you know, Biden saying, I cut $1.7 trillion in spending. No, he didn't. We just had this massive one-time increase, and it disappeared. He did nothing to do with decreasing spending. This is simply a rebound effect from the market going down as a consequence of the downgrading of U.S. debt. You know, you bring up the $1.7 trillion, and, and Biden has been saying this so often and it's constantly he's constantly called out uh, for this for this this lie let me let me play this for you really quick in my first two years in office i brought the deficit down by a record 1.7 trillion dollars all we spent still less than 1.7 trillion dollars this has been given an unlimited or bottomless pinocchio by the washington post this is constantly called out for the lie that it is, but he keeps saying it. The head of the Democrats in the House, Hakeem Jeffries, keeps saying it. The White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, keeps saying it. When do a group of economists get together, write a letter to the Wall Street Journal, an open letter to Biden, and say, bullcrap, this never happened? Well, I don't know that's going to happen because you got to remember, most uh, university economists are in the back pocket of the administration because they feed it the... The you know they feed it the trough that the government creates, but if people want to know the truth, it's very simple. Just Google or Bing or whatever your search engine is. Search Fred F R E D St Louis budget deficit. That's the official website of the Federal Reserve Board that tracks the deficits. Fred Federal budget deficit, and you'll get the graph, and you can look at the picture. If you don't want to read words, just look at the picture, and you'll see how it shot up in the pandemic. And then when it came down 1.7, it is still at an enormous level, more than when Trump left office. Every it, It's a continual conversation, just like, you know, they, they told us that the Inflation Reduction Act would reduce inflation. And there's no shot uh, of that. Um, you are the one who explained to us that this idea that we're going to run out of money if we don't raise the debt limit is untrue. There's still plenty of money coming in to the to uh, the uh, to the Federal Reserve uh, or or coming into the country, I should say. You had Speaker Kevin McCarthy make the same statement just the other day, a day or two ago, that money is still coming in. But you have Republicans now, like uh, Byron Donald's uh, representative out of Florida, Matt Gates out of Florida as well, and others saying, we don't believe Janet Yellen's number, the Treasury Secretary. We don't believe this idea that we're going to run out of money by June 1st. Show us your work. Show us how you got to this calculation. Has anybody 
asked, other than these two members of Congress, asked Janet Yellen to prove that we'll be out of money by by June 1st? And is it imperative that we have a deal done by June 1st? Well, okay, you know, whether it's imperative is a whole different question, because how will the markets react? We don't know. We've never seen this happen before. So I don't know if it's imperative. Um, as far as what uh, Gates and others are asking, that's very disingenuous. I got to criticize them because they can look up in Google within one minute those exact numbers. You can see the inflows and outflows from the federal government. It's public data. So we don't need Janet Yellen to put it together. We can see that we are collecting money and we can see that we are spending money, but that we will cease to be able to spend more than we collect. It's, it's just that simple, Tony. We're going to collect money. I didn't know Speaker McCarthy made the same statement I did, but it's true. Money's flowing in, but we will not be able to deficit spend effective sometime in June. That's correct. So you just have to live within your limits starting June something. Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. There's more coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I want to feel just a little, just a little. John Durham is going to testify before the House Judiciary Committee. That just breaking. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It was Jim Jordan, who's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, sending a letter to John Durham. Of course, uh, he's the special counsel. He was put in place by then Attorney General Bill Barr to look into the origins of the Mueller investigation, the origins of Russia, Russia, Russia. His report, while nobody goes to jail, sadly, uh, shows the level of duplicity, duplicity, duplicitousness. Thank you. From the FBI, from the leadership, Barack Obama knew that this was all a fever dream about Trump and Russia from the Hillary Clinton campaign, did nothing. So did then Vice President Biden. So did the Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Was this before or after she met with Bill Clinton on the tarmac? Everybody knew, including the then FBI Director James Comey, and they all didn't care, and they let this nonsense investigation go forward they wasted the time of americans the money of americans ripped americans apart and lied to americans on the daily your government my government that media apparatchik whether it's cnn or msnbc the washington post the new york times purposely lied on the daily or actually we should state never engaged in any level of journalism to see whether or not these claims were correct no one asked a question they all just went along with it and then When people like Andrew McCabe were proven liars and branded liars by the FBI, they hired Andrew McCabe. When Peter Strzok was shown to be such an evil guy that he was willing to take down a duly lawfully elected president of the United States because he didn't like him and we needed an insurance policy, they put him on TV. They want to call James Comey a hero for the love of God. Look at me. I'm walking in the woods by my book. James Comey's a weird dude, just so we're clear. And yet Hillary Clinton just walks around like everything's fine. Oh, it was those Russians. And you know what Trump did. And people are like, oh, she's so brave. She's not brave. She's a terrible, terrible person. She always has been. She's always going to be. Now, what questions will be asked? I don't know. Because this is going to happen, according to the Daily Caller, on June 21st. In a closed-door briefing, I'm very, very curious as to what, first of all, what are the questions that are going to be asked? Why closed-door? The report's already out there. Are you, what information could you be trying to get? 
And then if you got that information, what in, what do you then do with it? Are you able to share or not share? I got questions. I got a tremendous number of questions. But as we discussed here, you have in the Durham report something extremely important that the left wants to pay no attention to it and no time talking about it is only proof, only proof of how important it is because it exposes how deep the lie went. It exposes how many people were connected to it. It exposes for many people who are, like myself even, a layman, I spend more time on this than most, but you gotta, I mean, I'm not 24-7 in the plotting and the planning, right? Like like uh, Team Hillary there. Look at the extent that they're willing to go. Look at the destructive force that they're willing to be. And so the Durham report is extremely important to know that uh, the leadership lied, that we have a tremendous problem with people who are ideology first, not humanity first, not country first, and none of these people, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, James Comey, uh, Loretta Lynch, none of them are country first. The power is everything. Look how far they're willing to go. And you have to see it. You have to see what the professional is doing in the concept of the destruction. You have to see it with your own eyes. And I believe that the Durham report does an extremely good job of showing the depths of the depravity. And that's an important subject. It's ugly. You don't want to see it. It's angering. It's disgusting. I, I'm totally there. But you have to see it. Because once you see it, you understand how deep this war is and how long this war is going to last. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz today.